Hey there. Hello, is this Kate Garns? It sure is. It's your lucky day or mine. <laughs> I'm the lucky it's one. Nice. It's nice to hear from you, and I understand you're in Orlando, Florida. I am. I am. It is bright and sunny here. It's nice to hear from you, and thank you for taking time to uh, speak to my listeners. You began to do public speaking, and I'd like to talk to you about that for a few minutes if I can. And what drew you to do public speaking, and what is it that you're sure. doing speaking so, about? Uh, I, when I look back over my life, it's so into how everything pointed to speaking, but I couldn't see it. And I don't think I had the courage. I didn't think that I had a good enough story or that anyone would really want to listen to me stand on a stage and just talk myself. So I had always kind of said, I would love to start a group with a bunch of people on a stage dancing or doing something, but also having a positive messaging through it. And it wasn't until I had been at Disney for six years or roughly six years I was really unhappy. I had just gotten out of a four-year relationship. Um, I was 28 at the time, and I was really unhappy. And I went to my 10-year high school reunion, and uh, a girl from high school who was always, like, really wonderful, really sweet, really kind, she came up and she noticed that I was just really down. And she said, Kate, what do you want your life to look like? And it was in that moment that God said, here you go. This is, this is what you've been waiting for. And I said, I want to be a motivational speaker. Um, I had never said it out loud, meaning just myself. As soon as I said those words, all of my doubts, all of my questions, all of concerns were gone. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt, that was what I was meant to do with my life. So I flew back from Columbia to Orlando. And on the flight, I wrote a letter. Were you raised in yes, Missouri? Yes. Yep. Born and raised. So but yeah, oh, okay. on my way, I wrote a letter to eight people that I viewed as full and said, hey, I know without a shadow of a doubt is what I meant to do. I don't know what I'm doing. I have, I don't know any motivational stories. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I would love your input. And just through hustle, hard work and word of mouth, I found a, I've started listening to any podcast I could. And then I found a podcast called the Speaker Lab uh, podcast with Grant Baldwin. And from that, um, I got a coach. Her name's Harriet Turk. She's the best speaker coaches. Flew myself out to Memphis to work with her. Um, and two years later, I'm a professional speaker full time. So, and I speak on how to find your worth and your value when no one shows up to your value. And you're you're talking to young people yes, throughout I speak the country, mostly to teen leadership. How, how many uh, how many events <laughs> do you do in a year? Um, so my first year, I did seven. Last year, I did 30. This year, I was set up to be around 50, and then um, the coronavirus happened. So we're not totally sure what this year's going to look like, but my goal is 100. Goal is 100 uh, gigs a year. Well, that's interesting. And so uh, tell us a little bit about the substance of your uh, chats with the sure. young people so across the country. I speak on everybody has a recording. Meaning somebody made one comment to you one time. Someone called you fat. Someone said you were ugly. Someone said you were dumb. Someone said you couldn't sit with them because of the color of your skin. Someone said that you believed incorrectly or something. And that became your truth. That became the, the voice that you heard in your head. Mine was my dad was a, was a severe alcoholic and he just always kind of made me feel like a disappointment. So I just always, just in the back of my head, that, well, it doesn't really matter because you're a disappointment. It didn't matter how many times my mom said how much she loved me, I would still hear my dad saying, but you're just not good enough. 
And so my talk helps teenagers recognize those recordings, especially the ones that are lies, and it helps them um, know how to re-record, know how to start their own healthy recording of something positive and how to find their worth and how to find their value when they may not have speaking truth to them at home, when they may not have a church community that they're a part of, when they may not have any friends at school. How can they find their worth and their value when no one shows up to tell them how awesome they are? Wow, amazing. You still have family in the Flint area, uh, aunts, I do. aunts and uncles? Mm-hmm. or Yes, and they have a, a big history with the Flint Journal, I yes, understand. Yes, my uncle Mike, Michael Pastorino, has been a bigger, he recently retired uh, within the last couple of years, but was a big part of the Flint Journal. So, and he still lives up there. I was born in Missouri, but... My mom, Judy Pastor, uh, was born and raised in Flint, and my dad um, was actually in Battle Creek, Michigan. So going to Michigan, especially Flint, um, has been a part of my life. We've gone up there at least two times a year um, until about a couple years ago. But yeah, that was always my, we never really went on vacations to like Disney World or to the beach or anything as a kid. We always went, my mom and I always went up to Flint. I love it there. A vacation to Yep, Flint. that was my vacation. <laughs> And your family uh, attended local schools in the Flint yep. area? Uh, mom went and moved over to Powers High School. She was the first graduating class of Powers High School. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, as you said, I live down in Orlando, Florida. I've been down here about a little over nine years, about nine and a half years or so. For that, those years, I was professionally for Walt Disney World and U Studios as a performer. And then within the last four years... Um, I started my own company, and I am now a teen motivational speaker. So I travel all over the nation speaking teenagers, mostly teen leadership. So think like student council, future business leaders of America, future farmers of America, that those kind of organizations. Um, I speak mostly for their state and um, and regional conferences, which then also leads into high schools and middle schools. Your career now is out of uh, performing art. Uh, the Disney company and you're, you're just doing speaking work now. Yeah, is that what I it mean, is? I still technically am employed by the Disney and speaking. It really, that is my full-time job until this big old virus hit. <laughs> um, speaking has been definitely my full-time job, even though speaking is its own type of performance. Um, that's my, my main focus sure. and my full-time gig. Well, tell us about uh, your Disney experience. Sure. So I started on uh, what's called the Disney college program which is where Disney has any college kid. Um, you have to have at least one, it's either one semester or a year of college under your belt. Um, you can apply to move down and work for Disney for a semester. And they pay you, um, not a lot, but they pay you. You live on property and, uh, and you work for the company and you get college credit. So that's how I started. I was a, a junior in college pursuing a degree in music education. And I got to my final semester and I was like, oh, I hate this. This is not at all what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do with my life, uh, but this isn't it. And God just showed me, okay, then we're going to send you down to Disney. So uh, I found out about the college program. So you didn't drop no, out No, I didn't. I, didn't I took, I took a semester off, which actually ended up being a year off to get some extra college credit and to work for And then I went back to Kansas where I went to school uh, to finish school. So are you a shocker? I am a shocker. Oh, God, I miss the (laughs) shockers. They're my favorite They're wonderful. That's Wichita State University is. uh, Yeah, and see, they weren't great at basketball when I was there. They didn't bother to get really good at basketball until I moved to Orlando. Then they decided 
that they wanted to be really go. That's fine. They they have without any question the most exciting basketball program in America. You went to Disney and did they make you Cinderella right away? <laughs> I'm actually not tall enough to be a princess. I wish, but I did. I joined. I joined right in with, um, it, and I did um, just meeting with guests and characters. Um, I was very good friends with Mickey Mouse. Him and I hung out quite a bit together. Same. He was originally going to be Mortimer. That was the first name that Walt came up with. And his wife looked at him and said, oh, absolutely will not name that mouse more. So, yeah, true story. We hung out I, a lot together over nine years, Mickey and me. But I started to slowly learn the day parade and the electrical parade and then got to do some really cool stuff, um, hanging out with Mickey on the Magic Kingdom Castle stage, along with some commercial shoot media, did media stuff for Good Morning America and Good Puerto Rico. And yeah, really fun. Did you play the role of a character or? Like a parade or something that was on TV and Mickey was uh, blinking and talking. Uh, There's a good chance that him and I were hanging out. So maybe not, but there's a good chance. Do you do any other performing uh, arts such as roles in, in theater sure. or so, yeah, I dance? Grew up, uh, dan- grew up dancing in a studio. I also did competitive show choir all through high school and college. As for Disney, um, I did some tap dance stuff for Disney a couple times, uh, and I, I danced a little bit, but mostly I just did character work. Now, what's the hardest part of that job? I hear that's a really hot job. Yes. It's, it's so pretty warm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the hottest I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> when we first opened the Festival of Fantasy Day Parade back in, I think, 2014 is when we opened it, they had to call what we call alpha units, which are basically ambulances. Um, they had to call eight of them for our first parade because so many people got overheated. So, and we do have protocol. There's nurses on standby to help with overheating. There's, they do take really good care of us with like iced popsicles or we always have water. We always have a towel to try to cool off, but nothing prepares you for that heat. That's for sure. Yes. It's like boot camp. Yes. Uh, do they have a boot camp for um, for Mickey Mouse? No, they don't. Just kind of goopy. throw you in the fire, and and some people can't, and that's and that's okay. Um, it's not for everybody. It's definitely one of the hardest jobs I've ever done physically. But uh, your body adapts. Your body gets used to it. Weird way. I don't know how to explain it. So, what was your weirdest experience you've had in the Magic ooh, Kingdom? Ooh, that's a great question. What's the weirdest experience? <laughs> I don't know if it's good or not, but in the nine years I worked there, I never really saw anybody famous. And like all of my friends did, I guess I was just always in the wrong place at the wrong time when working. Um, I mean, the things that you hear, you really see the best in humanity and the worst in humanity, kind of like this virus is bringing out right now. People who have been waiting since, who like are 80 years old and they've waited their whole lives to see Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse. Um, and those are the moments that you really just kind of drink it in and... I had a few people come to visit Mickey who had just lost their child to cancer, uh, but they went on the trip anyway to kind of honor their memory. So those were always really tough, but also really heartwarming. Um, and then you see people who are not always the most patient and not always the most kind. And um, that's one thing I definitely miss from the North, be it Michigan or Missouri, is that people are very kind or they tend to be more kind and people here um, tend to not be, <laughs> especially when they've paid their life savings. And they don't want to wait in line, which totally understandable. I completely get it. But also, like, there is a small person who is very, very warm. And you to let them go and have some water. It's not all about you. I don't know. It's you just you see the best in humanity and the worst in humanity. 
So, Kate, just to wind up here, do you have any advice for uh, young people who want to get to be Mickey Mouse or who want to be an accomplished speaker um, like you are? I just wanted to touch on, you brought up gun violence. Um, I've seen Bowling for Columbine. I remember you in it. But at least when I have spoken to teens, when things like gun violence comes up, um, and especially now moving forward, with this this virus, our our will never be the same. Um, I kind of equate it to 9-11, how our normal after 9-11 was never really the same. And if we want to battle gun violence, if we want to battle, I'm guessing suicide rates are going to be astronomical right now because of people just feeling so isolated. It's showing love and it's showing kindness. And imagine if, because we're all being so cognizant right now and very intentional about social distancing and about being um, taking care of ourselves and others. We're being so intentional. What would happen if we showed that much intention just for one day to love others? Or if we showed that much intention to be kind to those who look different than us, who, who speak differently than us, who pray differently than us? Um, imagine how, how healed the world could even in just one day if we were so intentional, as intentional as we are right now with this virus, to loving others and to being kind. Um, one thing that I... S- it's kind of in tune with John Lennon's uh, thoughts mm-hmm. when he wrote the, the yeah. song Imagine. So, I mean, wrapping all of it up, we're, we have all this time on our hands right now, which is we can look at as something horrible or we can look at as a gift. How are we going to be intentional with our words? How are we going to be intentional with our thoughts? So just the biggest thing I would tell the teens now is number one, you don't, you don't need anyone to complete you. You're complete on your own. Number two, you truly can do anything you set your mind to. I never thought that I would be make a good amount of money uh, speaking to teenagers by myself. I, I truly thought, why is anyone going to want to listen to a lower middle class white girl from Missouri who's never had cancer, who's never fought a shark, who's never been on Survivor. And someone flat out said, that's why people will resonate with you because you don't have that superhero story. You're just like everyone. Um, But just because we're just like everyone doesn't mean you don't have an extraordinary story to tell. So that would probably be the biggest, the biggest piece of advice I would give is try to love yourself as much as you can love others and be really, really intentional Uh, with your thoughts and your words around, especially right now. Excellent. Lastly, any parting words for the people of Flint? Flint. Go get, what is that burger place called that has the olive burgers? They're so good. (laughs) Flint, go have an olive burger. That's my favorite place. Halo burger. No, it's called Halo burger. Flint is, it's like that scrappy puppy that everybody tries discount. And it's been through so much, and it always rises from the ashes. It always rises up stronger than ever. I'm so proud. Um, I'm not from Flint, but I am from Flint because I I spent a lot of my childhood. Um, What a city, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for it. (laughs) Well, thank you, Kate Garns from uh, Columbia, Missouri, and now a uh, transplant to the state of Florida. Uh, keep safe there. I hope to get a chance to speak to you again. It seems like we just you got uh, it anytime. We just got started. So this is Radio Free Flint uh, signing over and out Bye. with Kate Garns and Arthur Bush. <laughs>